Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Romans with this message entitled, The Wrath of God. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have come on this Lord's day, in this place, by your ordination, knowing that you are in our midst, and you rule and you reign in our midst. You declare to us your holy word, we will hear and we will believe. By your mighty power, we pray that you save sinners. We pray that you heal your people. That we pray that you guide your people, comfort your people. Meet their every need, O God. Give your light to the confused. Drive away the fear from the timid and fearful. Fill your people with thyself, that they may be made strong in the Lord, that they may be rooted and grounded in the everlasting love of God. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, I want to smile first. And simply because I'm going to say things that people don't like. One wonderful thing about preaching through the Bible is that we are not going to pick and choose. We must eat all what God has given. So I'm just going to speak about the holy wrath of God. And if we don't like that then you are not going to like God's salvation. The holy wrath of God. From Romans 1, 18 through 20. And as I prayed, you are going to hear, because God is speaking through me to you and for your eternal benefit. The wrath of God Who believes it in this modern, scientific, and cultured, and multicultural, and multi-religious times? We are told by Dr. Mu, since the time of certain Greek philosophers, the idea that God would inflict wrath on people has been rejected as incompatible with an enlightened understanding of deity. The old heretic Marcion in 2nd century AD omitted the word of God from the phrase the wrath of God in Romans 1 and verse 18. So this is an old problem that people don't like. The wrath of God. Modern sophisticated western man says 
A wrathful God is unthinkable. And you read Martin Lloyd-Jones and he says these things about modern man. He says God is God of love. Wrathful God is simply a projection of the idea of the Victorian stern father. Or it must be the relic of the cruel tribal God of the Old Testament. That bloodthirsty Jehovah God. Certainly not the God of sweet Jesus. Evangelicals, on the other hand, affirm the wrath of God. Theoretically, Dr. Jones says, but they refuse to preach it for fear of alienating cultured people from coming to church. So they tell you, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. So please come to church to hear great music and very smoothing message. So the 21st century preacher polls people to find out what they want to hear. In my student days in the seminary, I have done that myself. People want to hear pastor to preach on felt needs. How to be happy. How to be not anxious. How to get rid of bad habits. How to deal with loneliness, sexual frustrations, marital discord, codependency, addictions of various types, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, cyber sex, credit card abuse. How to lose weight by eating. <laughs> yes. People poll does not show they want to hear about the wrath of God. Sinfulness of man, atonement of Christ, the cross, repentance, saving faith, fear of God, obedience, Satan, God-forsaking world, eternal judgment, hell. They don't want to hear any of these things. Sir, if you don't believe me, you go. And I told you that last time to go and find out from other so-called Bible-believing churches, and you come and tell me that they spoke about any of these things. They say, sir, tell us, God loves us. God blesses everybody, no matter what we do. Sir, give us some psychological cures for our felt needs and problems. Paul does not do this. He says he's a debtor to all the people of the world. He owes them the gospel. He is eager to preach in Rome. He is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. It reveals exactly what man needs and what he does not have, i.e. the righteousness of God. And you ask the question, why does man lack 
the righteousness of God. And here we are told in these verses the answer. Because God gave him the knowledge of God in the book of creation. He knows the true God. Yet we are told he constantly suppresses that knowledge of God. And so refuses to worship and serve him. Therefore the wrath of God is revealed against him. Against his ungodliness and his unrighteousness. The only deliverance and salvation from this wrath of God is for you to receive what? The righteousness of God which you need and which comes to us in the gospel gratis and receive it by faith. The world has only bad news of the holy wrath of God. But in the gospel, there is good news for all. Do you understand, sir? Wrath of God is integral to authentic evangelism. And if you evangelized without speaking about the wrath of God, you haven't evangelized. It is synthetic evangelism. That person remains a child of the devil. So I want to speak to you a number of things. First is, the wrath of God. Wrath of God. This wrath is not of man. It is of God. It is revealed from heaven. That is from God. It is of God and it is revealed from heaven. That is from God. Therefore, unlike human wrath or devil's wrath, it is just wrath. And the word wrath appears ten times in Romans alone. Therefore, you must understand it is a controlling conception in Romans. Theologians like C.H. Dodd, the late C.H. Dodd, does not like this personal wrath of God. He will go for an impersonal wrath of God. He is for an inevitable impersonal process of cause and effect. Such as what you sow that you reap. Yes, sin has consequences. They say, but, but God has nothing to do with it. It is an outworking of the law in the universe. No, sir. God is not passive. He is active and personally involved in the affairs of his world. God is holy. And so he must punish sinners. And he does. God is love and plans to save certain sinners from his wrath. And he does save all who repent and believe in his son. Let's turn to the book of Psalms, and you have read recently Psalm 76. 
the Bible speaks more about the wrath of God than about the love of God. You just read it and you will find that out to be true. Psalm 76 and verse 7 You will own not to be feared. Who can stand before you when you are angry? And verse 10 Surely your wrath against men brings you praise. Hell brings God praise. And the survivors of your wrath are restrained. Turn to Psalm 90 and verse 7 through 9. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a mourn. Or Romans chapter 2, take a look at verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. And verse 11. Verse 16, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. God's wrath is his perfection. God's wrath is his glory. God's wrath is his nature. His holy hostility toward all evil insentient beings angels or humans God's wrath expresses his settled and active opposition of God's holy nature to everything that is evil God of the Bible is not both good and evil Professor Murray says God's wrath is the holy revulsion of God's being against that which is the contradiction of his holiness. And let's turn to a couple of verses. Second Thessalonians just ground this idea in God's word. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 beginning with verse 6. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. How? In blazing fire. With his powerful angels he will punish those who do not know God. And do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. And shut out from the presence of the Lord. And from the majesty of his power. Or look at chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians. Beginning with verse 10. 
They perish because they refuse to love the truth. And to be saved. For this reason, notice God sends them a powerful delusion. So that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth. But have delighted in wickedness. They know the truth. But they hate the truth. But they love evil and wickedness. Therefore, what is it? The wrath of God is being revealed. And Jesus said the same thing. John chapter 3, 18 through 20. They love evil. And they hate truth. They hate God of truth. Secondly, we are told the wrath of God is revealed. Apocalyptetai. Present Passive, indicative, third person, singular. From apocalypto means to reveal, to unveil, to open up. And it is a continuous revelation of the wrath of God. This wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Continuously. Just as righteousness of God is continually revealed in the preaching of the gospel, the wrath of God is also being revealed continuously. These are two parallel revelations which are antithetical. Professor J.C.F. Schiller declares, the history of the world is the history of the judgment of the world. The wrath of God is revealed, sir. First, in your conscience. We experience when we do wrong, remorse, misery, and pain. Unless we killed our conscience by increased sin. Two, there's physical consequences. A lazy student becomes a poor student. And one who lived in sexual promiscuity reaps diseases. And then marries someone and that person gets the disease. STD and every other disease. A drunkard ends up in poverty and loss of health, destruction of the family. The one who fornicates destroys the family and so on. That is the truth, sir. And when you look at Genesis 3, because of the fall, there came about thorns and thistles and pests and pollution and pain and hard labor and restlessness and the universality of death. In Adam, all die because of his sin. Spiritually dead. Physically dying. Eternally dying, sir. And it is all a demonstration and a revelation of the wrath of God against him. Against the sinner. Number five, biblical history. Look at the flood. The fire that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at the history of the children of Israel. God finally vomited them out, exiled them. 
Look at the history of Canaanites. We were told not yet. I'm going to wait until their iniquity becomes full. And it became full. And God wiped them out. The history of the world also is the history of divine judgment. Look at Daniel chapter 2. And yet, man refuses to recognize God as the Lord of history. What about personal health? We are told in the Bible for this reason, many of you are weak and sick and many die untimely death. And the reason is sin. 1 Corinthians 5, the man who lives with his father's wife, hand him over to Satan that his flesh may be destroyed. Have you ever thought about that? A lot of our physical sickness could have, could have some cause like that. And not only that, moral degeneration. Go home and read Romans 1, 24, 26 and 28. Because of this, God handed them over to a depraved mind to do whatever they want to do. And you think these people are engaging in continuous immorality on their own. No, God judged them. It is the wrath of God upon them that causes to become addicted to their evil. God hands them over to the evil desires of man. To a reprobate and depraved mind. To abuse themselves. Sir, you cannot understand the cross of Jesus Christ unless you understand the wrath of God. The cross, first of all, reveals the wrath of God against sin. And also it reveals the love of God. The wrath of God, not just the love of God, the cross reveals. God's wrath against God's elect sinners poured upon his own son. Who knew no sin. Friends, God is revealing his wrath every day. To every person. To every family. And to every nation. Let's turn to Psalm 7 in, uh, and verse 11. Psalm 7 and verse 11. God is a righteous judge. A God who expresses his wrath every day. Every day. The Bible says sinners are objects of God's wrath. Ephesians 2, 3 and Romans 9 and verse 22. But not only that, there is the public administration of justice. Romans 13 and verse 4. And there we read, For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And not only that, there is a last day judgment. And the Bible clearly says so, tells us. And not only that, the resurrection of Jesus Christ itself reveals the wrath of God. 
and therefore his judgment of God, Acts 17, verse 30 and 31. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice to meet out his wrath by the man he has appointed. That's Jesus Christ. He has given proof of this to all men by raising from the dead, sir. Every time we preach about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are also declaring that one day God's wrath will be poured out by the same Jesus Christ upon those who are unrepentant and arrogant and rebellious and stubborn and fearless toward God. The third point, it says, against all ungodliness, epipasan asabean kayadikian, against all godlessness and unrighteousness. God's wrath is revealed against sinners. Against every sin he commits. Every sin. Not even one. Is exempt. From God's just and holy wrath. No sin is ignored. Every sin is called to account. And Romans 1. 18 through chapter 3. Verse 20. We receive God's history. Of human sinfulness. Not man's history of man by Toynbee and every other person that says we are all nice and we are getting better. No, sir. Romans gives us God's history by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Darwinism, theory of evolution, which is the controlling conception of sinners today. Reject God and God's history of man. And so God's wrath revealed against man. God sees man in Adam a sinner. His problem is his wicked heart that rejects God. And so man engages in wickedness against God, others, and against finally himself. Let's listen to what Jesus Christ said about human heart. That's his problem. Mark chapter 7 beginning with verse 17. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Well, that's our problem. We are dull, isn't it? We are all dull. Dull, sir. Ask the Holy Spirit to, uh, to help you to be alert and intelligent. Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, from his brain. From his will, from his affection, from his intellect, from his understanding, from his depraved mind. Out of man's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil comes from inside and make a man unclean. 
That's what sophisticated man is, cultured man is, educated man is, philosopher man is, religious man is. God's wrath is revealed daily against man's godlessness. He's a fool. So he negates God. Therefore his word, his standard, so he can be God and do whatever he pleases. A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Every sinner has a philosophical foundation which is negation of God and his word and his law. And then if God is not, we can do everything. So godlessness is first followed by evil deeds. The essence of sin, sir, is godlessness. It is the mother of wickedness. Without godliness, morality is impossible in the world. If you hate God, let me tell you, you will hate people. And finally, you will hate yourself. Romans 3 verse 18 summarizes it and says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. In other words, they don't see God. So nothing restrains man from sinning. If God is not, I am free to do whatever I desire. But all sin, let me tell you, is against God, David said. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. Sin against God, sin against man, godlessness as well as wickedness, both are against God because it is the violation of his word and his law. Everyone sins against God and his rule. Godlessness is seen in idolatry, which in turn produces immorality. And number four, man Fallen man, sinful man, arrogant man, wretched man, godless man, wicked man, man knows God. Verse 19 and 20 of chapter 1 of Romans. Man cannot plead ignorance of God. Man knows God. He revealed man. A revelation of God. God reveals himself, in other words, in creation. And he revealed, he created man with the capacity to know God in creation. Even the fallen man is able to know God. So we are told what may be known of God is plain to them. For God made it plain to them. And if God made it plain to them, you think anyone can come to God and say, you failed in making it plain to me. Even the fallen man has capacity to know God from God's works that surround man moment by moment. God has not failed in revealing his knowledge to man. This means, friends, every human being, rich or poor, man or woman, young or old, slave or free, stupid or a scientist, every man knows God, no man is ignorant of God, so every man is accountable to God every day. 
and on the last day. Yes, God is invisible to us. So we cannot see him for he is spirit, he is infinite. And we creatures are fallen and finite. Yet God has graciously revealed himself to us in creation. His invisible qualities, that is his everlasting power and divine nature are clearly seen and perceived and understood by the mind ever since the creation of the world. Let us look at this way. If creation is God's painting, we look at it and understand something of the nature of the painter. The signature of the artist is on the painting for us to discern. So man sees creation and perceives God in his creation. Let's turn to Psalm, the book of Psalms. And the eighth Psalm, Psalm number eight, verse one. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And verse 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him. And verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And Psalm 19, let me read to you the first four verses that makes this thing clear of God's revealing of himself through his creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day, that is continuously. They pour forth speech, sir. Speech, what is the speech? God is. God is creator. God is holy. God is majestic. God is wise. God is almighty. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Through phenomena, man discovers God's invisible noumena qualities. That he is a person. That's number one. How can you be a person and he is not a person? God is a person. God is eternal. God is of eternal power. God is infinite wisdom. God is creator. This God is true God, not a God. This God is uncreated, so self-existing. This God is free, independent of all his creation. And this God is sustainer of creation. And this God is holy. If you don't believe it, turn to Romans uh, uh, 1 and uh, look at verse 32. Although, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, hmm, and they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. They discern that this God is holy. And therefore the conclusion ought to be a creature must worship and serve this God. 
So let me tell you this. There can be no atheist in God's universe. Every man knows God. Professor Benson says one cannot be conscious of oneself except one be at the same time conscious of God as one's creator. Revelation of God is round about man as well as within his own constitution in terms of a conscience. Professor Frame says natural revelation informs us of the existence of God, his eternal power and divine nature and his moral law that is his norms. It is authoritative revelation by which men will be judged. Friends, God has taken initiative to reveal himself to man and he has succeeded. Every man knows God. Man knows God, he is accountable to God. Man has evidence of God's existence and his fundamental qualities. So man sins against the knowledge he has. Man's problem is not intellectual, but moral. Moral. So he refuses to worship and serve God. Dr. Boy says, there is evidence of God in a flower to lead a child as well as a scientist to God. You don't need to use microscope to study cell. You don't need to use telescope to study stars, I say, to get this knowledge of God from creation. The entire nature itself says, not, not nature. Look beyond nature. Heavens declare what? The glory of God. And it is a general revelation. This means everybody, everywhere understands. It's a natural revelation. That is revelation through natural order, not supernatural revelation in Jesus Christ. And also it is continuous revelation. We are told since the creation of the world. Number five, sir. What are you doing? with this knowledge, with this revelation that is coming to you continuously, daily, moment by moment. And we are told they continually suppress ten alete and that truth, that is the truth of God. So man knows truth of God's existence and his basic qualities. What is he doing with the truth? You are to love truth and do truth. But man's continuously, man is continuously and actively is suppressing the truth by actively doing wicked deeds. He uses increased wicked deeds to smother and if possible put out the fire of the knowledge of God that wells up within him. As Adam and Eve, fallen man sins against knowledge. Truth asserts and man suppresses it by evil deeds. He resists truth by doing more evil. And turn to chapter 1, verse 23, 25, 26, and 28. You, you read, he exchanges 
truth for lie. A lie that says God is not. He exchanges the truth God is for the lie God is not so that he can freely engage in evil. Romans 5, 10 and 8, 7 tells us man is an enemy of God. Yes, he experiences God's common grace daily. God's sun rises upon the wicked. God's rain comes upon the wicked also. Or turn to chapter 2 of Romans. Let me read to you verse 4. Or do you show contempt to the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to a repentance? And go home and read Acts 14, 15 through 17. God's common grace and God's provision of food for all his people. And having received this, they are interested in destroying him. And so finally the conclusion, sir, it is stated right there in verse 20, the conclusion is that man is what? Without defense. Excuse. He has no defense. Read chapter 3 of Romans and verse 19. Now we know that whether the law, whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that what? Every mouth may be silenced. No excuse, sir. Every mouth is stopped. Man cannot say, I did not know. He has no excuse today or on the last day. This does not mean man does not try to come up with excuses. He writes books. Philosophical books, Darwinism, scientism, he manufactures religions. It's all various attempts to come up with an excuse. He can defend himself before men, but friends, they cannot defend themselves before God. I say there is no excuse for impiety and depravity. So what happens? God's just and holy wrath is being revealed against the impious and the depraved daily. It is pretty terrible. I told you. It is all bad news. It is all darkness. It's all gloominess. But is that all there is? No. There is a shaft of the beam of light penetrating the darkness and overcomes darkness. There is a revelation of the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ from heaven. So the question is, is there then any hope for the wicked? The answer from heaven is yes, yes, yes. There is an answer. Have you heard about Calvary's cross? On which Jesus Christ, God's only son, gave himself for sinners. And his death, learned this word, was propitiatory. That is, his death turned God's wrath away from us. And his death moved him toward us and to be gracious to us. 
God the Father poured out his just and holy wrath against us, not upon us, but upon his own Son, that he may be just in justifying the ungodly. God who justifies the ungodly. Our sins are counted against Jesus, and his righteousness is put into our account. If it is your will, may this cup pass from me. He prayed, and then he said, not my will, but thine be done. And he finally cried out the cry of dereliction. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And there is an answer. It is because God loves you. God's wrath is just and holy and certain. It must fall either on Jesus or upon every sinner who refuses to trust in Jesus Christ. I have trusted in Jesus. 71 years, but I have trusted in him at age six and still trusts in himself by God's grace. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for me. No death for me. Justification for me. Life for me, sir. It is also true of you. Let me read it to you. Romans 5 and verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Friends, if anyone who has not repented and trusted in Jesus Christ, our heavenly substitute, holy Jesus, I plead with you, repent and believe and be saved from God's wrath today. For in the gospel, Paul says the righteousness of God is revealed for all who are unrighteous to be received by faith as a gift. And Jesus said, come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will reconcile you. Heavenly Father, we pray that you Help us to rejoice in this great salvation. We pray that you grant authentic repentance and saving faith to everyone who is outside of Jesus Christ. Everyone who is an object of your just and holy wrath. May such people trust in your Son who suffered God's wrath for every believer. Save sinners, heal sinners, comfort your people. In the name of Jesus, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon entitled, The Wrath of God. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.